This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is your tech news briefing for Monday, March 6th. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. The most exciting frontier of artificial intelligence will be on your smartphone. At least, that's what Cristiano Amon, the CEO of chipmaker Qualcomm, thinks. There is more innovation yet to come in phones, and developments in semiconductors are allowing for leaps in the quality of augmented reality and virtual reality. Amon shared his thoughts with WSJ senior personal tech columnist Joanna Stern at MWC, formerly called Mobile World Congress, last week. We'll have highlights from their conversation after these headlines. Twitter's revenue and adjusted earnings both fell roughly 40% in December, according to people familiar with the matter. Many advertisers have ditched the social media platform following Elon Musk's takeover last October. Twitter also has around $13 billion of debt that Musk used to help pay for the purchase of the company, with annual interest payments estimated at more than $1 billion. Twitter didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Apple has approved email app BlueMail's update that incorporates a new artificial intelligence feature powered by ChatGPT. Last week, we reported Apple was not allowing Blix, the app maker, to release its update due to concerns that it could generate inappropriate content for children. According to Blix's co-founder, the BlueMail update was approved following assurances that it includes content moderation. Apple didn't respond to a request for comment. Amazon has paused construction of its second headquarters outside of Washington, D.C. The company says it's temporarily holding off on breaking ground on the second phase of construction. Amazon had promised to spend $2.5 billion through 2030 and bring more than 25,000 jobs to the region. In a statement, Amazon's vice president of global real estate and facilities said the company remains committed to Arlington, Virginia. But our Amazon reporter Sebastian Herrera says even a temporary pause will have an impact. For now, the largest impact is for that Arlington region. This should have an effect on property taxes, for example, and certain investment in the area. Again, Amazon did say that it eventually will build out the campus, but it's definitely a hit to other businesses in the area and overall economic development there. A lot of people in business and in economic development pay attention to what Amazon does. So it could have an effect on the overall market and how other businesses think of their own projects. An Amazon spokesman said the company has sufficient room for its current Arlington staff and doesn't need to begin construction of new space just yet. Officials in Northern Virginia largely played down the decision to pause construction and said the local economy was already feeling some benefits of Amazon's presence. And Foxconn, the main manufacturer of Apple products, is considering a major expansion in India. 
According to people familiar with the matter, Foxconn aims to boost iPhone production to 20 million units a year by 2024, up from 6 million. And it plans to triple the number of workers to as many as 100,000. Apple has been pushing suppliers to diversify beyond China after many of them faced production disruptions during the country's multiple COVID-19 lockdowns. A spokesman for Foxconn declined to comment on the plan, and Apple didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. So, have you met your digital twin yet? Because you probably have one, and so does your building. Stick with us to find out why the CEO of one of the biggest chip makers says it's crucial to the future of his business. We'll be back in a minute. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Qualcomm makes chips for smartphones, laptops, cars, headsets, and other devices. And the kinds of tasks that we ask all of these different tools to do are getting more complicated. Think supporting artificial intelligence tasks or creating augmented or virtual realities. But Qualcomm's CEO, Cristiano Amon, sees an opportunity for the company, one he welcomes as the sale of traditional smartphones falls, hurting the company's bottom line. At this year's MWC, the WSJ's Journal House hosted a conversation between Amon and the WSJ's senior personal tech columnist, Joanna Stern, where the two discussed these issues. Here are highlights from their conversation. Cristiano, thank you so much for being here. I want to talk about the slowing smartphone market. IDC reported 20% drop in the 2022 holiday quarter. Lots of people obviously pointing to the macro environment, but also there's been an evolution in the last couple of years about the slowing in the innovation in smartphones and people not needing to upgrade as frequently. Is this sort of the new reality for smartphones? In the short term, I think the reality is we've seen three factors that impact the smartphones. We do have a much smaller market in 2023 that we had in 22. So macro had definitely had an impact. The number two issue is there's massive amount of inventories. So what we're seeing right now is a correction. Number three factor is China. China is a, one, a very significant market, and I think during the pandemic situation in China, the market is also depressed. Now, I find the most interesting conversation is your question about what's, what's gonna motivate people to buy the next smartphone. And, uh, you know, they're always going to continue to be things like you're going to have faster speeds, you're going to have a better camera, you're going to have better graphics, you're going to have new form factors. But that's not the most exciting thing. The most exciting thing right now is AI. And if I just look at Qualcomm right now, one of the largest processor growth area in our chips is really AI processing. And it's amazing what's happening with AI outside the data center. We are moving towards this hybrid AI architecture. It's not efficient or economically viable to you to apply those large language models for everything if everything you have to go to the data center. 
and the ability to run that locally on your phone and things that you needed to do, you're going to be chatting with your phone, and you can do that in the phone and using 5G. You can connect the cloud, so those are like one single computer connected to 5G in between. That's going to be one of the biggest change in user experience in the next few years. So as a user, so I've been using obviously ChatGPT and Bing a lot and things like Stable Diffusion and Dolly. There's that delay, right? You put in your prompt, it goes out to OpenAI or Microsoft servers, takes, I don't know, sometimes a minute, sometimes 30 seconds to a minute, maybe longer to get that return of that information. What you're really promising is better speed there and because that's happening on the device? Yes, I want to talk about VR, the things beyond the smartphone right now. We'll start with mixed reality. You've announced a partnership with Google. It's Google, Qualcomm, and Samsung, right? It's a nice trio to take on, seems like, Meta on one side, maybe Apple on the other for mixed reality. What are you thinking of as the market here? Who's going to put on these headsets? I think the opportunity for user experience is tremendous. So I'm going to give you like a very simple example. How we think about a simple phone call from a technology standpoint that will prevent me from rendering like you right in front of my eyes with augmented reality glasses and have a holographic phone call. And then on top of that, how are you going to merge physical and digital spaces? We're building digital twins of everything, digital twins of people, digital twins of things, and those devices will actually make the bridge. So we're just at the very beginning. You built a digital twin of me already? Huh? You've built a digital twin of me already? No, but some of the cloud companies did. Oh, great. Uh, great. <laughs> on that front, though, I think lots of people, and as a reviewer of these big, chunky headsets where I'm wearing battery packs, backpack size, and you know, I look like some sort of cyborg, how far away are we from what we all want, which are sleek glasses or a sleek headset and a low-powered version of that? I think as an industry, we're making incredible progress. Actually, I recommend just to look on how some of our reference designs had evolved. They're more and more looking like eyeglasses. Humans will reject walking around with a big helmet, but they are going to wear something like this. You have the ability to leverage the cloud and 5G to be able to do a lot of the processing in the cloud together with the device. You can connect to your phone, and I think at the end of the day, you should think about you're going to have your phone and you're going to have your glasses. That's how it's going to be in the future. You showed at CES this very cool concept car. And it seems like you offer a lot of options. I was on the Qualcomm website last night looking at like eight different things for automakers, from connectivity to the screen stuff. What are you seeing from the automakers? What are they wanting the most right now? Yes. If you are an investor right now and you're looking into a car company, you're going to ask a car company two questions. First question is, are you electrical? And the car companies, you see, they have a lot of great plans. So they're dealing with batteries, electrical motors. And then they're going to ask the second question, are you digital? And I think that's where we come in. What we have done, we identify the opportunity not to think about components or chips for different systems in the car, but can we create a platform? So we connect the car to the cloud 100% of the time, provide a car-to-cloud service platform, drive the digital cockpit experience, all of those different screens in the car, and then provide ADAS, assisted driving, and autonomy. 
all in one platform, very scalable. We also took some of the DNA we have for phones and we now enable in a single chip that you can do ADAS and digital cockpits. And it's really a revolution because it's really meeting the needs of what the car companies need to go digital. If you look at, for example, I'll pick United States as an example. The car companies didn't have a direct relationship with their customers. The dealership had. Now with all those screens in the car, you are in contact with your customer 100% of the time. Why not have a CRM system built in? So you're going to see more announcements or more applications coming to the car. Some of the conversations we had with Microsoft, you can work from home, you can work from the office, you can work from the car. And uh, I think there's an incredible opportunity for disruption. Over time, some of the services opportunity for the car companies in the car will exceed the profit of selling the car in the first place. For the car manufacturer. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Cristiano. My pleasure. Thank you, John. All right, that's it for today's tech news briefing. But a quick note before we close the show, we want to hear your questions about generative artificial intelligence, AI programs like ChatGPT, Microsoft's new Bing search, or MidJourney. And we're going to answer these questions on an upcoming episode. Do you want to know more about how these AI programs work, what they're capable of, or maybe what this latest wave of AI development could mean for how we live our lives? Leave us a voicemail with your AI question at 415-439-6482. Once again, that number is 415-439-6482. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Zoe Thomas from The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening.